0: Just a heads up before we start the podcast here, I want to give a content warning slash trigger warning. We are going to be talking about the Deshaun Watson trade to the Cleveland Browns. And with that, we're going to be breaking down all the baggage that is surrounding him, including sexual assault and sexual misconduct. So a content slash trigger warning beforehand. If you are affected by sexual assault or anything like that, make sure, of course, Advocacy and Resource Center here in Sheridan. They do great work over there. Check them out. Talk to them. And uh, for more national stuff, go to rain.org. That's R A I N org, Or call their phone number, 800 656 HOPE. That's again, 800 656 4673. I want to give the sincerest apologies. To anybody that listened to my show last week and picked their picks for their march their uh hoops hysteria bracket, if you will, um, according to mine, that was a disaster. Um, I am pretty down bad when it comes to my bracket compared to the rest of the people that are playing um with hoops hysteria and some of the VIPs. I uh I'm a mess. That was one of the worst brackets I've ever picked, and I sounded so confident in that uh in that uh, podcast. And I am sorely disappointed that some of you guys had to listen to that and then made the picks afterwards after I gave a very, a very, very confident spiel on the podcast last week. So it's all for fun. You know, I'm probably going to burn the pot I'm probably going to delete the podcast off of the internet for the rest of So nobody knows what happened there. Uh, delete it for eternity. We can all go back and laugh at it for now though. Um, so yeah, we're still in it. A- we're about to get into the, si- the round of 16, if you will. And then, um, I uh, we're going to have pics for that tomorrow morning on the KROE morning show. So make sure you tune in for that and we'll see where it goes from there. It can't get much worse. So I'm hoping it'll be better. We'll see what happens. But today for today's podcast, we're getting into some serious stuff. I'm joined today by Mallory. Hello. Former co-host now guest of the show because we ditched that after two episodes.
1: James can't decide what he wants.
0: I don't know what I want anymore, but joined by Mallory. Thank you for coming on the show, Mallory.
1: You're welcome. Glad to be here
0: we are talking about Deshaun Watson and with Deshaun Watson, a lot of stuff um, comes with Deshaun Watson. Um, a lot of extra baggage comes with Deshaun Watson. Everybody knows the stories by now. Everybody knows um, what's going on in that situation. He signed a uh, five year, 230 million fully guaranteed contract with the Cleveland Browns on Friday um, after being traded from the Houston Texans Um, On Friday as well, and then signed the fully guaranteed contract of $230 million, which the first year of the only money he's getting is a base salary of $1 million. So it's almost like the NFL seems to know something is going to happen, such as a suspension or something like that. Or excuse me, the Cleveland Browns know that something is going to happen thanks to the NFL, such as a suspension. So they only have to pay the $1 million from Deshaun, for afford Deshaun Watson um, for the next year in case that suspension does happen. And then, you know, the 46 million or so, I believe, uh, kicks in after that year. Yeah, the 46 million for the next four years all the way into 2026 kicks in and it's all completely fully guaranteed. So if you don't know what's going on with Deshaun Watson, other than that, I'm going to give a k- quick breakdown. This is mainly why Mallory is here. Mallory, you used to work. At the Advocacy and Resource Center, correct?
1: I did. And while I'm going to share some stuff today, it's not a representation of their thoughts, but I have learned a lot from them and working there about the statistics around sexual assault and other violent crimes. So I thought I'd shed some light on that.
0: Okay. And she kind of hinted at it there. Um, Deshaun Watson has a lot of accusations following him, 22 to be exact, of sexual misconduct or sexual assault Varying degrees of sexual misconduct and sexual assault. I'm not going to get into the details on this podcast because it is pretty um, grim, disgusting, if you will. That's really the best word for it. It's
1: pretty horrible. It's
0: pretty horrible. Um, So I'm not going to get into the details. If you want to read them for yourself, they are out there. The details are out there. Like I said, they are grim. You will want to, you know, be prepared because it's not a great look for Deshaun Watson. But here we go. This is sort of the timeline. Uh, Ashley Solis filed the first Lawsuit against Watson with her attorney, Tony uh, Bisbee, on March 16th, back in 2021, a little over a year ago, detailing very clear attempts at sexual sexual misconduct while he was getting a massage from Ashley Solis. Um, As the news of that lawsuit spread, another suit was uh, surfaced on the Harris County on the Harris County District Clerk's website and then another suit on the next day and on and on and on. It accumulated as more and more suits were filed with Bisbee until at one point, Watson faced twenty three civil suits of either sexual misconduct or sexual assault. Multiple judges ruled, this is later on, multiple judges ruled that the names of the plaintiffs had to be disclosed, which led to one lawsuit uh, being dropped due to privacy and security concerns, which brings us to our number of 22. Watson faced 10 criminal complaints, and a Harris County prosecutor presented the case to grand jury, which uh, returned nine no bills, quote-unquote, and the uh, prosecutor announced he wouldn't be charged for any of those crimes in a criminal court. Watson still faces those 22 active civil lawsuits. Even after being traded to the Browns, each suit describing graphic incidents of sexual harassment and sexual assault. All while this is happening, Watson was still part of the Houston Texans organization, albeit he did not play last year at all in the 2021 season, but it wasn't by the NFL's hand. It was mainly by the Houston Texans hand that kept him off the the 53-man roster. They didn't suspend him or anything like that. He wasn't put on the commissioner's exempt list, so Watson basically didn't suit up for anything, and he still made his base salary of $10.54 million in 2021 all without playing or suiting up or really taking any, you know, public comments or anything like that. He pretty much hid in the shadows for the rest of 2021. Um, the NFL began in interviewing the victims on March 18th of 2021 as part of their, in, in as part of their investigation. And uh, by August, they had interviewed 10 of the 2020, uh, the 22 plaintiffs, uh, Lauren Baxley, one of the plaintiffs described the tone of the interview as quote, patronizing and quote, victim blaming. It's alleged That they asked her, you know, what she was wearing, that sort of thing.
1: That's incredibly problematic.
0: Yeah, that sort of victim blaming and patronizing that comes with a lot of these suits, I would assume.
1: Unfortunately, because the culture surrounding sexual assault often blames the victim rather than the perpetrator.
0: Yeah, very true. So, and that was coming from the NFL, which, Mm -hmm. you know, which side are they on, clearly. Um, In cases, in most cases of sexual misconduct, survivors often pursue pursue Uh, Civil lawsuits over criminal complaints for a number of different reasons beyond financial uh, reparations. The criminal system is poorly equipped, very poorly equipped to deal with sexual violence, with investigators uh, re-traumatizing survivors, as well as a lack of control over a case handled by the police. Um, Civil cases are guided by the survivor in most cases. And according to a University of Texas study, more than 90 percent of sexual assaults in the state of Texas go unreported. Yep. Yep. So that is what's going on with Deshaun Watson. That is what the baggage that is following him as he gets traded to the Browns and signs a $230 million fully guaranteed contract. Um, Mallory, you read a little bit up on this. What were your thoughts and concerns about this entire situation?
1: Yeah, I think it just kind of highlights the fact that our culture values athletes more than you know protecting the voices of people who are in jeopardy of be- of harm or sexual
0: assault um something i thought of when i when i started reading about this was the idea that and it doesn't really matter the case because mm-hmm. the nfl has a history of this unfortunately ray rice he was suspended for two games after it wasn't sexual abuse but abuse of his partner at the time um he was, he was just suspended for two games um ben roethlisberger also got suspended after being um uh, allegedly raping somebody um, for six games. The numbers go on and on. Ezekiel Elliott got, I think, eight games a couple of years ago for a similar act. Um, so the NFL has a history of this, but they also have a history of not being able to understand how to. They don't have a foothold on being able to punish this correctly or I mean, and it kind of follows the legal system in the same way.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I think they do have a foothold on it. But the value of a victim versus someone who has a position of power, which is the
0: you the know power the, and control dynamic yeah.
1: behind sexual assault, um, they, they empower the person who has power already. Whereas if someone's coming forward, our society already cuts them down, yeah. victim blames, et cetera. And I think I one thing that I wanted to discuss today, too, was the fact that um, despite the state of California, am I correct?
0: State of Texas.
1: State of Texas. Yeah. Despite them taking away the criminal charges, it doesn't mean that this guy is not guilty. Like, oh, yeah. That is very normal when it comes to— it's unfortunately normal when it comes mm-hmm. to, you know, people being prosecuted. Yeah. Guess how many people out of a 1,000 end up— prosecuted and convicted of a felony after reporting
0: out of a thousand or the
1: perpetrator yeah out of a thousand how many of them
0: how many of them actually get prosecuted
1: yeah to the fullest extent 30 a little bit less than that 25
0: oh my goodness which is
1: a disappointing just dis, dis, I can't speak to. well and this
0: is why so many people don't come forward absolutely. women absolutely
1: and you have to think about, one, you know, they're going to be re-traumatized if exactly, the people yeah. who are interviewing them don't have a trauma-informed approach to it. And then also the press surrounding it. It's just we don't have a culture that allows individuals to report sexual assault. Yeah. And why Why would they if only 20 out of 1,000 get exactly. convicted of
0: yeah. it? it feels like a better option just to hold it in and not tell anybody, especially with something like this. Yeah. With a guy like Deshaun Watson, who is a superstar around the, around the United States, you know, as a woman, you're immediately coming out on the bottom side of the the bottom side of the totem pole.
1: Yeah. Sexual assault isn't, it's not a sexual act. It's an act of power and control. Very true. And him being in a position of power, a athlete who is held in high regard,
0: especially in these situations too. Exactly. uh, Where he's, just requesting for a massage, she's there to get a massage. She's in his house. Every single one of these, she's in his house or hotel room or what have you. She doesn't really have a place to go. She can't really fall back. She's in a position, of, or he's in a position of power there.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's you, disappointing. Yeah,
0: it's. Um. And and with regards to your um, where the criminal charges were dropped, I think it was California. I don't think it was Texas. I okay. I misstated there. I think it Re- was regardless, regardless, you know, yeah. someone
1: dropped those charges, and it's. Yeah. It's sorely disappointing. Yeah,
0: and and it's stated here. There's only um, uh, 22 civil lawsuits at, at at the moment, but I believe the plaintiffs' lawyers uh, or lawyer Tony Busby even said um, that there were more survivors that weren't willing to come forward because of this. Oh, absolutely, know? and that's normal. Yeah, unfortunately,
1: absolutely. um, some of the reasons. All my statistics today are coming from Rain, which is um, a national support for victims yes. of. Sexual assault, um, some of the reasons re- reasons listed for people not reporting sexual assault is retaliation. They believe the police would not do anything to help. Um, they believe it's a personal matter. Our culture yeah. still creates that, you know, veil of secrecy around these type of things. Yeah. Um, they reported to a different official. Um, they believed it was not enough to report or not important enough to report, did not want to get the perpetrator in trouble. Um, they believed the police could not do anything to help or gave another reason or did not cite one reason when reporting. Yeah. So it's. Especially when you look at this guy who's in power, not wanting to get this person in trouble. Yeah. You know, because I think we can name many people when you're at a job, you know, someone has done something maybe unethical or wrong. and You would report it, but they have a family at home or they have this is their living. That's their living. And so you don't report what's going on. So could you imagine the stakes for
0: this? Yeah, I can't. Like you said, the 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 lawyer for Deshaun Watson, um, the guy by the name of Rusty Harden, who kind of has a history doing these impossible cases for athletes. He worked with um, Roger Clemens on a similar case. He worked with Adrian Peterson on his child abuse case. Um, he was one of the first people to say we need, you know, and I don't want to paint him necessarily in a bad light, even though it leaves kind of a grimy feeling. He is doing his job, but it is you're selecting cases. Yeah. Right. As a lawyer like that, you are selecting cases that you want to be on. And this one, you know, it's hard to back somebody like that. Um, but anyways, he, he came out and said, we need, um, faces and names to these plaintiffs we can't have them anonymous because in the criminal justice system you have to have them with a face and a name in order for them to be criminally tried um in these situations and sexual assaults and sexual misconduct and that sort of thing is so hard um to prosecute because especially in this situation most of the people want to remain anonymous for that reason i can't imagine having to go through the press like you said the you know, social media backlash that comes from them, from Texans fans or Cleveland Browns fans. Um,
1: The perpetrator, even that, you know, he might retaliate. You fear retaliation from the general public in a media case like this. But usually it's um, fear of retaliation from the person who committed the crime against the victim.
0: Yeah. Well, and and the other thing, if you're... Believe him or don't if you if you believe in the in the um, in the plaintiffs or not or the sexual assault victims or not. You can't help but look at Watson's actions and not think to yourself that he is doing this in a way that is more disappointing than it is revealing. Um, He hasn't spoken.
1: I want to take a couple steps back there, actually, because I just I think it's a really good uh, signifier of our culture. I don't know if signifier is a word, but I'm going to use it. It works for but me. When you're talking about victims of sexual assault, like you don't like people refer to the victims as the one doing the action of these. So like
0: that's true. You yeah. said
1: whether you believe them or not. Yeah. Why not? Do you believe him I or do, not? Uh, that's, you know? Yeah, that's and I'm fair. Not correct in your language because I no, know you're fair. sincere, but it just it shows a good representation of where our yeah. culture stands.
0: That's fair. You know, that's a good point. Yeah. A
1: lot of titles are, not um, you know. Blah, blah. Athlete sexually offends. It's 22 victims yeah. sexually assaulted. You're and it's right, not yeah. holding our offenders accountable for these type of action, these heinous, heinous crimes. Yeah,
0: no, you're right. I mean, that's a good point. And it, it, it becomes the the victim's trial more so than the the defendant's trial or the, you know, the the person who's being charged trial. You're Absolutely. Right. I mean, that's a that's a good point. And you can you can kind of see that in um, a lot of different areas, too. It became. The George Floyd trial, yeah, instead of the the chauvin trial after a while um so I mean that's just kind of you're right about it being a societal thing it is interesting to look at that and,
1: and- again, like because people are often think that these acts are sexual they are not sexual they are while it's a sexual assault it's mm-hmm. an act of power and control they're trying to control someone by using their power i come from
0: a place of power
1: and so again the language in our culture while you're saying you know whether we believe the victims or not um i know you're a sincere individual who is not victim blaming who does believe yeah. in these individuals but our culture creates an environment where we tend to use that language
0: yeah And in the culture itself, and even in the criminal justice system, creates a system where, especially for these instances where sexual assault cases and sexual misconduct cases like this, they're so um, hard to prove because... You know, a massage therapist isn't going to have a camera running twenty four seven or an audio device running twenty four seven. You're literally running off of he said, she said, sh- she said. Yeah. And in our criminal justice system, that's not how it works, unfortunately. Yeah. Because our- for these situations, it should be twenty two women. Yeah. Twenty two women here saying, "Hey, this guy did this to me while I gave him, you know, I gave him a massage as he requested in his place of ho- is his home or hotel room where he has all the power in the situation." Yeah, this is I mean, this is the scenario where it should be. He said she said, I believe the women in this scenario. There's 22 of them, plus the people that we haven't heard from.
1: Yeah. And our criminal justice system just leans into the culture that we've created as a society. And that's true. true. Yeah. Very victim blaming, unfortunately. Yeah.
0: And um, whether you believe, as I was saying before, um, I do believe in the women. If you believe Deshaun Watson did this or not. It's interesting to look at this perspective as and you, you kind of mentioned it at the beginning of of the show, the idea that talent and this is kind of the phrase that I came that I've heard, you know, numerous times is that talent. Trump's morality when it comes to these situations. Yeah. And I named the other people, Ben Roethlisberger, um, Ezekiel Elliott and, you know, Tyreek kills one of them. Ray Rice, they're not all sexual, but abuse just in general, um, it seems like. Mainly in the NFL because this is the one. The NFL has the biggest problem where these guys, you know, they play in a very physical sport. That's not an excuse, but I'm just kind of outlying. This is what they do for a living. Yeah, you know, they run into each other. They don't. I, I. It's hard to tell if some of them have an off button. And this, when it comes to that sort of stuff,
1: this trickles down to college sports as well very, too, yeah. and even high school sports as well. Yeah, you know, universities, schools tend to value the athlete versus Absolutely. the victim.
0: So. Yeah. Yeah. The victims or the the athletes themselves, when they get on campus for a university or, you know, professional, they are immediately put on a place of power because yeah. of, you know, one, how much money they make, obviously, and how much talent they have. They immediately they they have always been told that they have they are better than the person next to them because of the talent that they have. And for some reason that kind of creeps into the rest of their lives regardless of what it's what it is
1: yeah and i think it's general knowledge too that these people are valued or these athletes are valued and so it makes of those you know thousand reported the 25 get convicted yeah but at the same time too only 20 percent of like college students are reporting sexual assaults yeah so it's depressing it's incredibly
0: sad yeah you know i mean and you can't the weird thing is people will look at this and still think that the system is working somehow the system is in a correct format that even though what was the number you 25 of a thousand yeah. of them actually get prosecuted to the full extent of the law. Yeah. People will think that that is working even though it's not. I mean, that, that is clearly a, 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 lopsided number. It yeah. doesn't make any sense that this pro this system is set up for women or sexual assault victims to come forward Give their name, that sort of thing. The situation that happened, re-traumatize re-traumatized these victims, and then he's got to walk free. The guy's got to walk free because, you know, we don't have the cameras. We don't have the audio. We don't have the the specific evidence in order to get it done. But
1: And that individual I, it should that matter. should have been empowered through the criminal justice system is now put in a position where they are— Further in danger. Again,
0: back, you know, to being a, another victim. And but this hearing, time it's the criminal justice system that's doing it. Too. That
1: and then also the retaliation that may come afterwards, yeah. too. Because the
0: guy's walking free. Exactly. Yeah. So um, looking at this from a NFL perspective. Um, it's going back to kind of the talent and morality, the talent kind of trumps morality. Thing. It's interesting I can't believe one that the Browns were willing to do this. Two hundred and thirty million dollars guaranteed. They put up a quote from their owner saying, um, this was a little bit after I actually this was like Sunday, I think, after they signed him on uh Friday, after they traded and signed him on Friday. Um the owner basically put up and I'm being um obtuse here because I don't have the actual full quote in front of me. Um he's basically saying that, you know, they they did their own full investigation into the situation um and determined it was safe to make the trade and then to sign him to an extension and then the lawyer Mr. Busby came out and said that the Browns never contacted him or any of the plaintiffs to get a quote from them or to you know monitor the situation that they're going through so when the Cleveland Browns say they're doing a comprehensive investigation into what Deshaun Watson was doing or you know if any of these if these claims are true Anything like that, they didn't question the victims, the plaintiffs, or anything like that. So I, I'm very curious to see what the Browns were actually doing in their comprehensive evaluation of the situation. If they're not asking the plaintiffs, the victims of the sexual misconduct and sexual assault, what does your comprehensive investigation look like? If you're not asking the entire side of the story, did you just go to Deshaun Watson's agent or Deshaun Watson and say, "Hey, what you what you do? Is this true or not?" And if they said Sean Watson says, yeah, no, it's not true. Complete, complete BS. You take that for his word. If that's what your compre- comprehensive investigation and you're going to willing to put 230 million guaranteed dollars on hand. I don't understand how the NFL looks at that and says, yeah, they did their own investigation. They're good. I don't understand it.
1: Yeah. Especially since the NFL is kind of the umbrella over the Browns. Yeah. There's- I mean,
0: and you think well. And the, the interesting thing is the, the owners have more power than, you know, Commissioner Goodell the commissioner for the NFL, he ha- they have more power than he does. But in the, but Goodell has made this his own job of trying to become the moral compass of the rest of the NFL, being judge, jury, and executioner. I don't know, like I said, how you look at this and you see it as okay. And the Browns are even preparing for that. They made his base salary for 2021 $1 million compared to the $46 million that he's going to get the rest of his contract. Mm-hmm. So they're already preparing for him to be suspended at least for the full season, half the season and they're willing to they're willing to to cope with it. They think that the the Browns are the Browns organization as a whole is thinking that no matter what has happened, if they can trot Deshaun Watson out there and the Browns go 13 and 4 this year, that everybody will forget. And sadly, they're right about that part of it. Unfortunately, yeah. Ben Roethlisberger was accused of rape before the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl that he was in, I think it was in 2010, he won the Super Bowl. No one cared.
1: I think on that note, I think it's important to plug like how you can help because people will hear this and go, how do I help this situation? Because I don't want to be part of that culture that allows offenders to exist in in this kind of society or allow them to get that kind of, you know.
0: position position of power power, yeah yeah
1: and so i think one of the best ways to do that is by listening to those around you if someone confides in you and shares that they've been sexually assaulted just listen and let them know that you believe that that's that's
0: really the i mean it's a simple step but it's very important and that goes for a lot of different things just listening to that and then in other situations being able to listen and understand tell them they understand show that you understand you don't fully understand, but you're hearing them.
1: You're hearing them. That's you're what listening I meant. to them and exactly. you're gonna support them. And while you might not have the solution, you will get them connected to solutions. Exactly. Yeah. And if we have local listeners, I think um just a good resource to keep on the back of your hand is the advocacy and resource center. Yeah. Um there
0: they've always done great work.
1: They really have. Yeah. And you know, if you want to help out in another way, that's not just supporting survivors, um, but lending a hand in that type of work you can get in touch with them they yeah. take volunteers and
0: and then um, there's there's rain.org r a i n n is that an acronym
1: I believe it is okay. um for what i'm not sure off the top of my mind
0: <laughs> either way it's rain.org a, dot .org r a i n n.org and then their phone line phone number is 800 656 h o p e or six five six four six seven three. That's the number that they have twenty four seven. Call them. If you've been if you're a victim of this scenario, anything like that. They are always open to taking calls. You can go to the website, that sort of thing. And they and, can
1: get you connected to resources. Whether it was twenty years ago, and yes. you know, you see stories with the Me Too movement coming up that bring up emotions for you. They'll get you connected with someone, um, and locally too. Yeah, they'll help out there as well. So
0: and the the I kind of want to close on this on this part of the of the podcast with this. Um, even though this is very depressing, <laughs> to be completely honest, don't let this situation turn you away from speaking out for what has happened, because people need to hear this.
1: Absolutely. This
0: is something that cannot be swept on the rug anymore. Cannot be kept on a a lower part of the totem pole anymore. It cannot just be, you know, muted or anything like that. This is stuff that happens constantly. More than we can possibly imagine that nobody talks about. And it needs to be brought more to the light. That is what needs to happen here in order for us to be able to evolve as a society to make it more proper for people to come forward with these situations.
1: I just want to say, you know, this is you have a great point because we need to talk about it in order to solve these problems. Yes. And we're not going to have an immediate response right now. Yeah. Um, the culture isn't going to change in a snap, but if we don't talk about it, people don't think it's happening exactly. and people do not think it's happening. Yeah. And one in six women are sexually assaulted in their lifetime.
0: Jesus, One yeah. in six,
1: one in six women. And then men as well are sexually assaulted. Yeah. I You can't, you can't just go over that as well. That's one That's in 33 true, yeah. men are sexually assaulted in their lifetime. Yeah. So um, it's something that we need to talk about. That's a great point, And this is a great way to do that. So I agree. Bring the subject matter up to your friends, but also, yes. you know, be careful. You yeah. can, as long as you're supportive of survivors, I think your attempts to chat about it, talk about it, provide it's resources. It's an important thing
0: to talk to people about. Cause like it is, it needs to be, I don't want to say normalized. Cause that sounds like the wrong word that I'm trying to promote, but the, 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 idea that it happens needs to be normalized.
1: Yeah. Awareness. Awareness
0: needs to be, you know, it needs to be more people need to be more aware of it, that it happens. And this is, you know, a watershed case of something that, like this is the, we we're not that far removed from the Larry Nasser case, which yeah. was I, two years ago, I think, or something like that. And that felt like a watershed moment for women of uh, victims of sexual assault and sexual misconduct. Conduct. And here we are again.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Feels like back
0: we're, we're back at square one.
1: The Me Too move movement,
0: yes. all those
1: type of things, you know, keep that momentum. Those things type, yeah. uh, tend to die down. You know, historically they have like the women's movement, et cetera. Yeah. You know, it ebbs and flows, but let's keep chatting about it. That's how you keep these issues at the forefront, how we keep solving them too. Yes, so, I agree. Hopefully we see some change in our criminal justice system. We see big companies like NFL change their policies, procedures, and how yes. they treat um Offenders and how they care for the victims of their offenders.
0: I agree 100%. That's all we can hope for. Yeah. At least talk about it so that people are thinking about it.
1: Yeah. Well, James, I hear you have some college basketball to report on. I'm, so. I don't
0: have college basketball to report on, but I'm not going to talk about college basketball again. Nope. <laughs> no, we're moving straight to MLB um, and we're going to get into free agency here in just a little bit. Mallory, I want to thank you for joining the podcast. Thank you. We're going to talk about free agency here next. Exciting things are happening at Frackleton's Fine Food and Spirits as we roll out our latest new menus. Off of our big plate menu, let's highlight the way Frackleton's serves up a pork chop dinner. French pork chops, farm to fork from Young's Farm near Parkman, grilled and served with mashed potatoes, harricot burt, and a fig mustard reduction. Frackleton's recommended wine pairing is Azoregon Pinot Gris. Where good food is good mood at Frackleton's Fine Food and Spirits, downtown Sheridan. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Rep podcast. I'm your host, James Timberlake. Mallory has left us. We are going to talk about baseball. Baseball season is finally here. I haven't really talked about anything post-lockout. Um, spring training got underway last Thursday after the two sides of the Players Association and the MLB finally reached an agreement. So now we're having spring training and free agency kind of at the same time. It's a weird mishmash of watching baseball than watching your phone to see if anybody's been traded or acquired through free agency. So it's kind of like a weird mix of things going on, but you know what? It's been kind of fun so far. So not too much to, you know, I'm not mad about it. You know, we've, we've had some cool acquisitions The Red Sox have Trevor story. Shout out the old Rockies fans. We got your boy now over in Boston. We'll treat him well. The monster will be a nice, to, a nice target to aim at now that he can't get uh, moon shots like you could in at uh, Coors. So we'll take care of them. A nice a nice little six-year deal. I think it was a six-year deal with Trevor Story in Boston. So the Rockies have lost Trevor Story. Um, but they've got some other acquisitions that they made. One big one that we're going to get to a little bit later on. Um, but first, the the smaller ones. A couple one-year deals with both middle infielder Jose Iglesias and uh, right-handed pitcher, relief pitcher Alex Colome. Uh, Jose Iglesias... You'll fill the hole that story leaves at shortstop. He used to be a very solid defensive shortstop, um, but he has slipped mightily in recent years. He had a uh, revised zone rating of 69% last year and 68% in 2020, which is very bad. Uh, The league average of uh, the RZR rating is almost 83%. So 69%, 68%, that's bad for defense. Um, I can't imagine he sticks around that 69% to 68%. Again, this year, I think he should be able to bounce back a little bit, especially as the full-time shortstop in Colorado. I would imagine he's the full-time shortstop in Colorado. Um, but we'll see what happens. He's a pretty solid. I, I still think he's a pretty solid fielder, even though those those rank, rankings are low. We'll see what happens, though. Um, he also had a UZR rating last season on the infield of a negative 6.1, and which the league average is zero. So he slipped up a bunch when it comes to defensive infield. He has a couple of highlight plays every single season. You'll see him on Sports Center, you know, that sort of thing every year. But overall, pretty average defender, below average defender these past few years. But I think he'll bring it back just a little bit. Where he lacks in fielding, though, nowadays, he makes up for somewhat with his bat. He's what I like to call a smacker. He's a smacker of the ball. He's a smaller dude. He's not built like Trevor Story was. Um, so you're expecting a little bit more of singles, you know, couple doubles in the gap down the line, that sort of thing. He's not a big power hitter at all. He gets up to the plate. He's trying to smack it into a hole. He doesn't hit for power. Like I said, a career 318 slugging percentage and a 700 OPS with an ISO of about 105 and uh, isolated power. That's ISO. Um, The the average for that is about 114. So 105 below average, but not terribly below average. Um, He hit for 271 and 373 and 288 batting averages the past three seasons. So that's pretty solid. But like I said, he's just a smacker. He's gonna put it in the hole, put it down the line, find a couple of gaps here and there this season. Expect him him expect him to be kind of the bottom of the lineup type of guy, not your Trevor Story type. Um, he'll hit for singles or ground outs, a couple doubles here again, like I said, most of the time, but don't expect, you know, Trevor Story output from a guy like Jose Iglesias. He'll fill the hole, um, but he won't be outstanding at filling the hole. Think of a family dollar version of like Andrelton Simmons. That's who you're getting in Jose Iglesias. So fill the hole. Not a, not a terrible signing. One-year deal. Not a great signing. Maybe you could trade him later in the season, get some prospects if he's really having a an outstanding year. Um, and we'll see where he goes with Jose Iglesias. Next up, Alex Colomay, a familiar name for the back half of the bullpen for the Rockies. He played with the White Sox for a little bit. He played for the Twins last year, and I believe he played for the Rays earlier in his career. And I believe he was an all-star with the Rays as well. He did not have a great year with the twins last year, a war of um, 0.1, a FIP of 4.23 and an ERA of 4.15 and a, uh, a batting average with balls in play allowed of three Oh five and 65 innings pitched. He relies on two pitches more than anything. He two seamer and cutter. He's a fastball pitcher. You'll see him at the back half of the pen and possibly out there trying to get some saves as well, as well at the uh, back half of the bullpen. Um, as well. So, another save guy, setup man, that sort of thing that'll, that'll fit in probably pretty nicely at the back end of the bullpen for the Rockies. But you never know with uh, Coors Field, could be the end of Alex Colomay, or he could have a good season. Who knows? Nobody really knows. We'll see what happens. Then, the big signing for the Rockies that came. When did this come? This came out probably last week, if I remember correctly, um, towards Monday of last week. Chris Bryant. What? Why Chris Bryant signing with the Rockies um this one had me and just about everybody else scratching our head um from out of left field if you will that's a pun totally on purpose out of left field grabbing Chris Bryant for 7 years 182 million dollars um the exact details of the contract I don't think have been released yet but those are what's been reported 7 years 182 million dollars like I said why what are the Rockies doing here I don't understand This purchase they're rebuilding, they're supposed to be rebuilding, um, which means usually prospects, that sort of thing you know, low value guys that you can turn into high value guys that you can trade for prospects and then picks and that sort of thing, and building up through the draft. And then you're signing Chris Bryant for seven years, 182 million dollars, unless they're going to trade him down the line. That wouldn't make any sense to me either, though, because you don't sign guys that you're just looking to trade for seven years, 182 million dollars. This one is confusing. This one's a major head scratcher for me. I can't get over how confused I was when I saw this. I could not believe they took him from the Giants and in, you know, an in-division rival as well um, with the Giants and they gave him that bag. So to me, this one just feels like, if you know, if you're an owner, your sole job as an owner is to make money. Um, no matter what team it is, if you ask any owner in any league and any profession um, especially sports professions, your job as an owner is to make money. It's not to win games. They don't, I mean, they care about that obviously, cause that's more money, but you know, money comes first and making money is the, uh, the God, if you will, of being the owner of a sports team. So this one, the signing feels like, uh, ticket sales, you know, fetching for ticket sales and Jersey sales. There's going to be a ton of Chris Bryant jerseys walking around Coors Field this year. You can bet on that. It's probably going to be one of the top selling jerseys. This season, um, and it's going to sell tickets. The guy is a good player still. He hit for 265 last season. Uh, the MLB average is about 244. So he's a good hitter. A 353 on base percentage. Uh, 317 is the MLB average on that. And a 481 slugging last year. 411 is the MLB average on that as well. So he hits good. He's a good hitter. Hits for power. He had an OPS of 835 as well. Um, and the MLB average on that is 728. So the dude hits for power. He doesn't mess around at the plate. He's a solid hitter. He does strike out a little bit too much. I think his uh, strikeout, his K percentage last year was about 23%. And uh, you want that lowered. Obviously you want to hang around 14% or something like that. So he does strike out a lot. He doesn't walk a lot. He wants to get hits and he wants to go for doubles and gappers and that sort of thing and home runs. And he's going to feast at Coors field. There there is no better place to be. If you want to hit home runs or doubles and that sort of thing than at Coors field. So a good signing, I guess, for, you know, like I said, ticket sales. You're going to sell hot dogs. You're going to sell drinks. You're going to sell jerseys with Chris Bryant. And there's going to be a ton of those jerseys walking around. And we're going to see a bunch of people. I, mean, I won't say a bunch, but we're going to see a decent more upkick in in people coming to, game, or to Rockies games at Coors Field just because Chris Bryant is there. So I respect it. you um, also had a 216 isolated power average with, uh, last season. And the MLB average for that is 140. So, again hits for power. And he also WRC plus of one twenty three, and the MLB average is a hundred on that. So they're spending more money than the Yankees. That was an unnecessary jab at the Yankees. I apologize. Not really. I mean, it was kind of necessary, Um, but you know, for reasons I can't really fathom, I don't know why they're spending this kind of money. Um, If they're trying to rebuild, which they are, that is what they said. They switched ownership and uh, GMs and stuff like that last season or the season before, if I remember correctly, to try to rebuild the franchise into um, what it once was, I guess, kind of quote unquote back in 07 and that sort of thing. Um, So we'll see what happens. I mean, Chris Bryant, you're going for the money. I I respect it. You know, you're going to, like I said, you're going to hit home runs. You're going to hit your doubles. You're going to get your triples out of him. You're going to get your RBIs and your runs and such. So you'll be at least be competitive with the rest of the teams in your division. I think you're you're not going to compete for the NL West no chance. I don't think it's way too top heavy. The Bra- the giants should be good again. The Dodgers are definitely going to be good again. The Padres should be better than they were last year, especially in the second half of the season. So I don't think you're going to compete for first place in the NL West or anything like that, but you're going to get extra wins out of this deal for sure. I mean, he's going to, he's going to win some, a couple of ballgames by himself. So, you know, more power to you. As for, like I said, the rest of the NL West, it's pretty top heavy. The dot, the, uh, the diamondbacks aren't going to be any good. Um, they're probably still going to be the bottom half of the, uh, the, the bottom feeder of the division. The Rockies are a little bit better than the diamondbacks, I would say. So the diamondbacks are still probably fifth, fifth there in the division fourth. I have the Rockies. I think they're still better than the diamondbacks. They're not better than the Padres or any of the other teams or the giants or anything like that. So I still have them sitting at fourth. Maybe they can sneak into third. Um, but I, I still, I still don't see it. Um, Third, I think the Padres, maybe the Giants. I'm gonna th- actually, I'm gonna switch to the Giants. I'm gonna go Giants. I do not think they can replicate what they did last year. I could be totally wrong, and if I'm wrong, fair enough. I'll put the white flag up. They're doing stuff better than anybody else down in San Francisco. Um, they have a bunch of guys that hit the ball and they hit the ball hard. Um, that's what it was last year, anyways. And we'll see if they can kind of continue that, or if you know more people, more teams have kind of figured out how to beat the Giants. And much like the Dodgers did last year in the divisional series. So we'll see what happens. Um, But I think the Giants third place is what I would say. And then I got the Padres coming in at second. I think they're going to be a lot better than they were last year. Not, maybe not. Well, yeah, because the second half of the year, they were they were bad last year in the second half of the season. So I have them being a lot better than last year. I think they can maybe compete with the Dodgers for first place. Um Maybe not the Dodger. The Padres have a lot of good bats coming. They just got Luke Voigt and uh, he led the league in home runs in 2020 granted COVID season. So kind of take that with a grain of salt, but he led the, the the league with home runs in that season. So that's a good pickup for them, especially at first base. We'll see if he plays more DH or if he kind of shifts um, Eric Hosmer out of that first base position for the Padres. And um, we'll see if they can kind of get more production out of that first base spot. And then, The rest of the group, and you still got Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis Jr. playing shortstop. We'll see if they keep him at short or if they're going to put him in the outfield like they did towards the back half of last year as well, um, because he was kind of a mess at shortstop defensively last year. So we'll see what they do there. He's not playing for the first few months of the season as well. So we'll see if they can kind of just hang on until Fernando Tatis comes back. Um, But some other guys like Jake Cronenworth should be better. Um, Will Myers should be better. And um, yeah, we'll see what happens. I, I think they should be still. They should still be pretty good. Um, they should be competing for first place in the division. But first place in the division, obviously, the Dodgers without a doubt will be one of the best teams in the league. That the lineup that they have. Let me pull it up here. So this is their projected lineup according to CBS. This is just the first thing I clicked on. A disgusting lineup. So first you got leading off, Mookie Betts in right field, Trey Turner at shortstop as the Second hole, Freddie Freeman, who they signed in the offseason. Somehow, somehow, they, they keep signing these guys. They keep finding, finding the money. <laughs> I, I hate the Dodgers, man. They're, 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 new, they, they're the new Yankees. Um, they keep finding the money to sign these guys. And they have no business signing these guys. So Freddie Freeman batting three hole. This is the projected lineup, if you will. Freddie Freeman batting three hole, playing first. Justin Turner at third base, batting fourth. Max Muncie your DH. Will Smith your catcher. Chris Taylor at second base, but he can play pretty much anywhere. Cody Bellinger center field. He he is kind of the the dark horse for this lineup. He was terrible last year. Cody Bellinger was as bad of a drop of as anybody has really ever seen when it comes to. from one year to the next, he was terrible last year. Almost they they were, I I believe they were thinking about keeping him out of the lineup in the, in the NLCS and the NLDS because of how bad he was. If they didn't keep him out of the lineup, I can't remember exactly, but uh, he was really bad last year. Um, And so he's kind of the dark horse for this lineup. If he could bounce back, this team is easily winning a hundred games and um, should have a, you know, a a direct route to the world series going straight through LA. Um, But it kind of hinges on if Cody Bellinger can kind of bounce back and give that extra pop out of the, out of the back of the lineup or towards the top of the lineup if they if they put him back up there. And then um, batting ninth, AJ Pollock down in uh, at left field. So every member of the lineup except for Will Smith on this team has made an all-star game of this projected lineup. So the Dodgers, that's a 100-win lineup. I don't think we've ever really seen a lineup as good as that lineup is. Um, we'll see what happens. But that should be 100 wins easily for that team and like i said a direct route to the world series for that team. So the NL West pretty sacked to be honest, the Rockies do not have a great chance of winning that winning that division, but they haven't had a great chance to do it before and they've done it before. So i you know, whatever happens happens. We'll see, but i have them still sitting at about 4th. I think I think they'll be able to, you know, heavily heavily be favored over the Diamondbacks to be to be in 4th in that division, but they're not going to beat, you know, they're not going to beat the Padres, they're not going to beat the Diamondbacks giants maybe um if the giants kind of come back down to earth from what they were last year but um I still don't have them beating the giants either so I still have them sitting at fourth but that's what the rockies did this off season so far like I said off season and spring training kind of com- kind of combining together since we missed so much time due to the lockout we'll see what happens um but the rockies there you go there you have it that's the rockies off season so far we'll see what happens in the coming weeks we'll see what they do with free air uh, with spring training and some of the prospects that they hope to bring up and we'll see if some other guys in their lineup can kind of fill that gap that Trevor Story is inevitably leaving um, with his departure to Boston. That's going to wrap up this week's episode of the podcast. I want to thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to Mallory for coming in and um, providing a little bit more insight on the Deshaun Watson situation and um, really helping me out because she knows it a lot better than I do having worked at the Advocacy and Resource Center and stuff. So thank you to Mallory. And I want to thank you to all the listeners. Make sure you can tune into this podcast, like I said, anywhere, anywhere you want to listen to it. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, that sort of thing, wherever you want to go, you can listen to it. Share to media.com as well and podcastwyoming.com. So thank you very much for listening. And if you're on Spotify or iTunes or uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Give us a rate. Give us a nice five-star, if you will, or a one-star. If you hate it, give us a one-star. Tell me why. I would like to know so I can improve. So give us a rating. I would really appreciate it. It gets us up on those charts a little bit more, and uh, maybe we get some more wide wide viewing audience, wide listening audience, if you will, um, as this podcast kind of progresses and turns into something masterful and beautiful. So thank you very much for listening. You have been listening to the Weekend Sports Rap Podcast. I have been your host, James Timberlake.